0: Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. My guest today is narrator John Lane. Welcome to the Audiobook Loving Podcast, John. How are you doing today?
1: I am fantastic. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to get to know you a bit better. I've listened to some of your books, but you have been all the rage as of late on social media about John Lane this and John Lane's awesome. And oh, my God, John Lane. And I'm like, I got to talk to this John Lane, dude.
1: (laughs) Well, I work with a lot of really wonderful uh, female colleagues who are very kind to me. So,
0: yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, the girls, you need to get more loving, I say, and I'm a huge advocate of that. But they are really good about um, letting us know about you guys as well. But Yes, they are. And the listeners are great, too. They're like, Viv, you got to talk to John. (laughs) 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 So I'm like, okay, fine. We'll talk to John. So here we are. Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating, and how you got started?
1: Sure. Um, I started narrating just over a decade ago. Um, I went to school for... Uh, theater and music and I did that professionally for a while and I needed a gig in between gigs so I um, had loved audiobooks since I was little and I got I got a little random text message from my mom with a picture of and she was, it said like look I found a, a dream jobs list you made when you were 13 years old like and it was like a uh, professional soccer player professional baseball player astronaut and then directing the Lord of the Rings movies because those weren't a thing yet. And I thought I would, maybe I'd grow up and, I you know, make movies of the Lord of the Rings. I thought that'd be really cool. Um, thankfully, Steven Jackson took care of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and the fifth one on the list was audiobook narrator. And I was like, well, pretty much all of these are, are out. <laughs> like, my professional soccer career days are past me. So um, what if I looked into this as like a, as a, gig between gigs kind of thing Mm -hmm. and i did some auditions on acx like a lot of people who get their start and it was actually right after acx had started so i was lucky enough to my first five auditions i think I i booked like three titles and i just went from there and i've been doing it full time since yeah 2011
0: wow i love it when mom keeps things like that i know you know, it's know. like, what else do you have? Don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, she definitely kept all my uh, sports trophies because a couple of years ago when my wife and I bought our first house, she was like, great, you can take these 37 <gasps> Little League trophies that yes. we kept. And I was like, you know what? That's all right. You can you can get rid of those. But
0: yeah, I think like, what do you do with them?
1: <laughs> moms are the best.
0: Yeah. My mom did the exact same thing. So here is your box. <laughs> And exactly. I'm like, wait, wait, what am I? They don't go with my decor. <laughs>
1: exactly. Well, <laughs> so
0: they didn't go with mine either, honey. And I'm like, hmm. parents. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that is awesome that you had that on the list. I mean, even back then as a kid, that's not something that was out there as far as jobs. I mean, you hear the teacher, yeah. the doctor, all these other little nuances, but like graphic design work and audiobook narration and even anything to do with audiobooks production and stuff like that was not on the list
1: i grew up um i was very busy with music and sports and all kinds of stuff so i was always going from here to there and i worked in the summers i worked uh, like a landscaping job so i was always out outside all day every day and i loved reading um i couldn't get enough reading so I would go to the local I li- would bike down to the local library and I would fill up my backpack with as many books on tape like actual tapes tape. that I could I could fit like three or four depending on the length of like you know Ender's game or whatever these big uh audiobook and I would get them on tape and I put them in my backpack and I would bike home and I would listen to them on my Walkman while I was mowing the lawn and laying gravel and bark and stuff like that so I've loved audiobooks since I was you know, in grade school, as mm-hmm. far as long as I can remember, and then when I got, I remember getting my first CD player, and then I remember getting <laughs> my first. Uh, they they developed the C, the Discmans that like had motion, so you could like move, and they wouldn't skip. And yes. I remember getting one of those, so I could work outside with it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yep. Yep. All uh... the way up until I remember getting my first iPod, and I would go to the library and I'd get CDs, and I would take them home to my computer. And I would spend hours burning the CDs onto my computer to put the files onto my iPod to listen to audiobooks while I was, you know, at sports practice or whatever I was doing. So, yeah, my my love affair with audiobooks goes way, way, way back.
0: That's just fantastic. At the same time, kids nowadays don't know the struggle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, I remember in grad school, I went to grad school in los angeles and i remember biking three four miles from my place to grand central library in downtown la
0: mm-hmm.
1: and getting getting cds still to take back and burn and put on my ipod in college so i mean in grad school so mm-hmm. i was doing that for years so that's crazy yeah
0: yeah and it was a technique that worked and you were able to get it exactly how you wanted it yeah and you can get to it when you wanted it uh but like i said it's a, a, a used to do the same thing (laughs) so i hear you it's like how many cds does this book have i'm like 26 okay (laughs) 26 okay
1: and then of course i was i would listen to it straight through so i'd be done in like two days and i'd have to bike back to the library
0: oh yeah but biking to the library was always fun yeah you know someone's like oh what shall we get next you know nowadays like it's What's like going the to a candy store. It was it was yeah. my
1: version of a candy store. Yes. I was like, I would go and I would just look at all of the science fiction titles and be mm-hmm. like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I just go down the row and be like,
0: mm-hmm. "Yep." It's it's amazing how the libraries were one of our first safe havens for a lot of the book readers and the listeners. Absolutely. And Absolutely. it was like our candy stop. We're like, we're going to the library. I remember telling my friends, like, oh my god, I get to go to the library. And they're like, What is wrong with you, Viviana? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I... it's because they weren't bookworms. I was. You yes. Know? Mm-hmm.
1: I remember in high school we had to do uh, community service was part of our high school requirement to graduate. And I did mine at the library, just working at the library as a volunteer, <laughs> which was like <laughs> I felt like I was scamming the system because I, I was like, I would do this anyway.
0: <laughs> it's so funny because i did the same thing
1: <laughs> that's fantastic
0: yeah it's like the the if i ever did anything wrong m- my grounding was you can't go to the library but mom
1: oh man know, i was tough. like
0: no and you know everybody else is like they can't do this not but mine's like the library because that was my thing so yep oh, amazing so 10 years of doing this i'm sure your process of how you prep a book has changed a lot, definitely. maybe not so much, but a lot. No, more. definitely. Yes. Yeah. How does that How does that look different for you now, ten years later?
1: One of the things is that I've got so many ongoing series now that I generally already know most of the characters. I already know the author's styles. I am in really close friendships and relationships with a lot of the authors that I work with. So it's not it's not nearly as much prep as I did when I was first starting out and and you know feeling like I needed to get into every Every little thing in every title. Now it's much quicker and it's much more kind of catered to whatever series I am doing. Um, so that's great. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of prep, it's different for every genre too. If I'm doing a, you know, a nonfiction or whatever, a, a non. John Lane book, if you will, I generally will, you know, do a little more prep on the scientific terminology, the background, all of those kind of things. Whereas like for fiction, I end up doing a lot more prep on the characters and accents and all of that kind of fun stuff.
0: Yeah, because it's not fun to find out that he's Russian when you've been doing a non-Russian accent, 300 <laughs> chapters, but, you know.
1: Definitely not. <laughs> I've never had that happen. Thankfully, I've done almost 700 titles at this point. Yeah. And I've never, I've never gotten... I have gotten to book four in a series and the author has said with his, you know, rollicking Irish brogue. And I said, oh, well, that's news to me. But I have never <laughs> I've never, you know, gotten to page 300 and found out someone was Hungarian or something like that.
0: That's good. Because yeah. you know, that's a that's a hard fuck up as far as, you know, going back and having to rerecord things. In that sure. accent, and in any kind of accent, but yeah, it's definitely even when it comes down to series. That's another conversation we have with the narrators, is that they sometimes give these other characters almost like I don't want to say a throwaway tone or anything like that, but not yeah. the. They're like either they just a difference, something like True. for the moment, and then he's now the hero in book seven, and you're going.
1: Yeah, oh. there are some authors who love to do that, where there, there'll yes. be like a one character, a bartender in book one, who's like, yes. "Hey, nice," and. And you'll just be like, oh, you know, I'll give him a Texas twang. And then all of a sudden, he's the main character from New Jersey in book three. And you're like, well, I had no idea. So (laughs) Luckily luckily, the listeners are very forgiving.
0: That and also sometimes they do these connectiveness so tiny that we devour. We don't we devour the book so we don't pay attention to some of these little details until they tell us, hey, yeah, that's the bartender from book one. And we're going right, oh. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Otherwise we're going, yeah. what accent? Oh yeah, that's a good accent. <laughs> so it <laughs> doesn't really matter. Yeah, but it's, yes. it's
1: it's always amazing to me how um, how like deep into these worlds listeners get. And it's it's always a really refreshing for me when I'll see a review on the rare the rare time that I'll, you know, see one or I'll get um, feedback from an author. It's like, the you know, these details that the listeners, like, these are worlds they live in and the connections mm-hmm. between the characters and who's the cousin of who. And, and like, it's really, really cool. You know, we forget sometimes uh, narrating. I, I narrate almost 100 or over 100 books almost every year. So I'm living in all these worlds for three or four days. And a lot of mm-hmm. these listeners live in these worlds for, like, weeks on end. And they go back to them and they listen again and they... They find all the connections and it's really cool and powerful every time mm-hmm. i hear about the the attention and the passion that listeners have for some of these worlds that these wonderful authors create
0: it is and it, it always astounds me of how some of the individuals can keep all these details about these worlds but they're listening to also like hundreds of books in a year yeah. Yeah. and i'm going Mm, yeah i know i remember the plot <laughs> and the story and the characters but the fact that he had blue eyes in this other town in a small town back no no that's not me
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's really impressive
0: it is yeah especially when the maps come out or the genealogy trees yeah. <laughs> yeah. i was like Ooh. Oh, i love man. you i love those readers because it's like who's this again um especially when you're prepping a book those are great to go to
1: yeah. <laughs> it definitely keeps us on our toes like yeah you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I could fudge this. And you're like, no, there's mm-hmm. there's someone out there who's mm-hmm. going to be like, Nah, And then they're going to catch you. So oh, yeah. it makes it it inspires me to also pay more attention to the to the fine minute details.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a the way I see it, too, is like the authors are writing these details in for a reason. And they may not seem all that important in some cases. But the fact, you know, book seven the reason why he was like that at the bar.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really, really fleshes out the world. It's great. It, it's yeah. a better world. Yeah. Than, the more sp- specific mm-hmm. everything is.
0: Yeah. And you do a bunch of different genres too. So that's also, I'm sure, varies that world building. Definitely. From yeah. genre to genre. So it's, it's a lot to take in. So I'm sure you have notes of the wazoo. I mean, even though you've been doing some of these books and series for a while, you have to have the, some of these notes, right? Yeah. You go back to. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm so with regards to the prepping and stuff what about the routine or ritual do you have one before coming into the booth to start recording because you know vocal warmings especially after 10 years uh not
1: (laughs) really so much i mean usually by the time i get into the booth i will have read my baby's a few stories already in the morning um and had my tea and gone all you know i'll be fine i don't i don't do a ton of like vocalizing or anything i'll just say a few sentences, get my good resonance, and, and talk.
0: And, and just sound good automatically, great. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> not, well, you know, I did go to, oh, man. See, now I'm going to give away details for the game we're going to play later, okay, so well, I then I can't yeah. talk about it. Yeah, I okay. can't talk about my... um my morning ritual but okay that'll come out later
0: yeah we'll do that okay great (laughs) good catch (laughs) i've had i've had guests that bust out with and then they asked me the question and i was so hyper focused on what we were talking about the moment i won't remember (laughs) at the game time or i'm like oh you fucked up i remember that note yeah (laughs) it's fine so good catch good catch so i mean it's still I'm sure after 10 years, have you ever gone back to listen to some of those first books? I mean, you, we age in voice too, you know? <laughs> How dare you?
1: We talked to you, you said you wouldn't bring this up. No. <laughs> I have. I have. I um, fortunately slash unfortunately, one of my best-selling series I recorded very early on in my career. So they're some of the most listened to titles I've done, even though I did them when I was just a baby. I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, Performance-wise, technically, so when I listen to them now, obviously it's more, it's difficult. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like listening to yourself singing the High School Musical or something. You're like, oh, God, like, people told me I was good. Uh,
0: (laughs) We are our worst critics, though, so. Yeah,
1: it's true. I mean, I still, that's the thing is I'll, I'll still get random emails from people about those books that are like, you're my favorite narrator or like, this is my favorite series. And I'm always like, "Wow, well, good for you, because I can't listen to them." But, <laughs> um, yeah, yes. Yeah, so definitely, I've gone, I've gone back. It doesn't happen too often because, thankfully, I don't have a reason to very often. But mm-hmm. if ever, if someone needs a sample from a certain book or something, I'll have to go back and listen to it.
0: Yeah, but I mean, again, with any skill sets. We improve with practice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, absolutely.
0: It's like that TikTok meme that's going around there. Oh, how do you get so good? Practice.
1: <laughs> do it. Doing it do over it again. For 10,000 hours.
0: Yeah. Yep. All by yourself in a booth, talking to yourself. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I teach uh, master classes at several universities because I'm at the age now where a lot of my friends who I performed with have become professors or heading up drama departments at different universities. And I'll go in and give them an audiobook master class and, talk to him about, about the industry and and uh that's one of the things i always say um that we we're just talking about
0: mm-hmm. yeah again going back to that they, it's great that there are classes nowadays that you can have yeah that tell you hey you can do this for a living
1: yeah i had no idea what Ew. i was doing i literally google people like how'd you become a, i was like i did a google search how do i yes. become a narrator? <laughs> And like now there's so many more resources. Mm -hmm. There's so many great websites to get you started building a home booth, how to do basic engineering, just like all of this stuff that just didn't exist a decade ago. even. Mm -hmm. So
0: yeah, Yeah, Google, Google is your friend is something I say to people all the time. I'm like, before you come at me with a question, Google it. Yeah. (laughs) Because I will give you most of the answers. I can fine tune it, but please just Google it first. (laughs) So from there. The other thing, too, is that um, the ranges of the voice and how these characters sound and the tones, how do you go about picking that um, for these characters, especially when it comes down to a long series?
1: Yeah, it can be difficult because, you know, you get to book seven and and the seventh brother of the whatever family, you know, is also a six foot three gravelly baritone. Of course. So oh. you're like, well, yeah, OK, you know, Uh Okay, how do I differentiate this from the fourth brother, who is also a six foot three gravelly baritone? So you know it can get, and it, it comes down to pacing, it comes down to tempo, it comes down to attitude. There's different different ways to differentiate, even when all your all your heroes generally ha- are low voiced and gruff and tough and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Speaking, you know, specifically of like romance, mm-hmm. um, and then you know doing a lot of female characters. The great thing is most of the authors I work with write like really strong, you know strong female characters Mm -hmm. who know what they want and so i don't have to do that much vocally because i just let their intention speak through my voice and um yeah it's great i don't Mm -hmm. have a ton of like simpering or helpless heroines which really makes me happy
0: yeah i mean that's definitely a a pet peeve of mine is when they make the girls all meek and weak and stuff like that i'm like "Uh, no because i like to relate (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's part of it too but also one of the things i do love about how you do your narration as well as many of the other uh, male narrators is that you don't give the girls or any of the women um that like oh my god i'm a girl and i talk like <laughs> this <laughs> and i do know that there are certain individuals that have that kind of valley girl because they're from you know that you know place where that, that might be the accent and that's okay but not all the girls no so, yeah. definitely
1: not and I have to say, like, in a decade of working in romance, it's been really cool to see the... Um, and I, I work on also some backlist titles for mm-hmm. books that were written in the 80s and 90s, so I have a, kind of even a view of farther back than that. And to see how, see how the writing of the genders and roles of the female and male characters in the books has changed and morphed over the last decade, last two decades, has been super fun for me because I think a lot of these female authors and their uh listeners Mm -hmm. um have really started to like come into their own power and realize like they don't always have to write a heroine who's being saved by the hero they can write a heroine who saves herself or the heroine who even saves the hero it's like it's really cool to see how like the women in these titles have like stepped up and then also how the men in these titles it's gone from being like I mean obviously there's still a bunch of alpha dudes who are you know protective <laughs> and like you know all of that stuff is mm-hmm. that those tropes are still there but but who find the beauty in their heroine's strength and power just mm-hmm. as beautiful as in their ability to protect her I, I really like that
0: Yeah no that's definitely something that and I know that there's so much romance shaming when it comes down to other genres and they're like oh just mommy no shut up it's not (laughs) there are a lot of you know in a genre where there's so many stories that are being pumped out there are going to be some that are in that you know not written the best more generic more generic and things like that and um but that's also a reason why this genre is so awesome is because there's something for everybody yeah And And it's
1: cool. Like a lot of these authors are are using their clout and their uh, platform now to talk about things like mental health, like health and disability and all of these things that like if you read a romance novel from 20 years ago, the idea that you're going to have a a heroine who has like, you know, a leg missing or something like that Mm -hmm. is like so minuscule. And now and nowadays I feel like it's much more common to discuss these issues and topics that are, you know, important and pertinent. Topical,
0: yeah yeah and um, normalizing the context of romance yeah normalizing some of these taboo subjects you know pregnancy loss um infant yes. loss. I um, just
1: wrote uh I just wrote a post like a week ago talking about how I I wish that um infertility and issues around mm-hmm. infertility would become more normalized in the romance genre. I feel mm-hmm. like that's one place where I mean obviously this is just my experience but I like I even the books where someone struggles with fertility, in the epilogue, they have twins or something. It's, it's yeah. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I would love to have more authors talk about that and and more happy happily ever afters with characters who aren't able to have kids or who adopt or do things like that. It's, uh, that's one yeah. area where, yeah, I would love to see more growth even.
0: Yeah, I think that's actually a conversation that many of us have had um, in the romance and the biggest of the audience being mostly women um, mm-hmm. when things are taboos such as anything from the you know infertility to infant loss to pregnancy loss but also you know weights I and mean, we know not all of us are a size two mm, um how yeah. not all of us are a size 12. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> my favorite is that the, oh and she's curvy and vivacious and that, and then somewhere she's shopping and she's buying a size 10 and yeah, i'm like shut the fuck up bro <laughs> that is not curving vivacious um I but know. the same thing when you look at ca- ca- catalogs and you're going that is what you consider plus size girl that girl's fine that is not yeah. plus size you know, but still, it's, it's the same thing when it comes down to infertility. I've struggled with it. I've had a uh, friends that struggled with it. And yeah, in epilogue and the of laughter with twins, and I'm like, what about adoption? What about being okay with, you know what? It is what They it traveled.
1: Is. They traveled yeah, they, glamorously around the world for 60 they were, years. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They were the
0: best aunt and uncle and babysitters yeah. <laughs> ever, you know, or they, they did a school for kids after school program, you know, mm-hmm. where they can return them later because sometimes I love my kid, but damn. <laughs> <buddy>. <laughs> uh. And mine's adopted. And so it's just one of those things where, you know, we were running joke for a while was there like, can we get the receipt? Oh, that's you know serious. and he's like nope it's been destroyed <laughs> and i'm like dang it you know oh. but yeah you know eight and a half years later <laughs> oh, that's so sweet <laughs> yeah no you have to have a little bit of fun um when it comes down to some of these conversations because they are difficult yes. and and that's one of the things too that i think romance allows to Absolutely. have these conversations including i mean this even sexuality as far as liking a kink and not knowing that there was a kink
1: <laughs> it's yeah, totally. Thing too, yeah, I find to... it. I find it to be a really open space. Sometimes, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. like romance, like any genre, has a spectrum.
0: Absolutely. Like so,
1: there are, uh, va- like I the it's there's yeah stuff on either end. But yeah, I find it to be a real safe space, and like also like great of these women generally women authors to use their platform to talk about these issues because mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the safest thing to do mm-hmm. where sometimes people are looking at romances like popcorn fiction or like entertainment and it's it's great i love i love when i get a book where the author goes into tougher subjects and mm-hmm. not has fun with them but but treats them like they're part of life like a real yeah. part of life and explores the intricacies, but or or you or even doesn't, and just has that representation in the book, mm-hmm. um, without you know necessarily feeling like the book has to be about autism, but having autistic characters who exist and live in the book and it's part of the world. Like I love that; it's great. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's also the the romance has the gamut of it, where you'll get some of these darker romance, more angst, and then there's some that are just like feel good, little angst. Totally. Oh, look, they still totally got together even though they had a fight. Yes, because yeah. sometimes <laughs> in life, you know, we have enough Absolutely. stuff going on.
1: <laughs> and like, that's why romance is so fun, too, is that yeah. you get a, a wide spectrum of, of happily ever afters. Yeah,
0: generally. it yeah. is really fun. The other thing, too, that I will say that um, the listeners love about audiobooks, not only the multitasking aspect of things and the performance that you guys provide, but the accent work. <laughs>
1: <be
0: it. laughs> yeah we're suckers for accents i you know we'll i'll be the first to admit it um is there an accent that you love to perform
1: um you know i love doing uh the west slavic like the russian ukrainian that kind of uh or, yeah that mm-hmm. the slavic dialects are fun for me um it's hard because i don't want to give away too much because I narrate under different names for different yeah. genres. So, like, if I say this accent, they're gonna be like, "Oh, wait, that." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and <laughs> but there, I do... people are making notes. Trust me, as they're listening. <laughs> I do a, a lot
1: of work as several with several different accents. Quite a lot.
0: So, mm-hmm. well, I recently heard a clip from a book where you were doing a um a French accent. Yes, and things yeah. like that. And I'm like, it was a nice, slight, subtle. subtle and then I've also heard, him like, I think he's, that was a conversation. Your name came up. I'm like, yeah, they were like, yeah, I think he's British because he does a really good British accent. I go, no, that's accent work, but I'll let him know that you think so. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I do work a lot as a Brit. Um, yeah. I lived in London for a while. I studied theater in London for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I can do pretty decent, uh, like, generic educated well i do all of the of -hmm. the english and british accents so i do a lot of work in that actually one of my favorite um producers the other day i noticed on a post was like oh yeah i forgot he wasn't british and i was like (laughs) (laughs) i've actually got on a conference call with with a producer in london once Mm -hmm. for a project and he was like we started talking and he was on london time and it was like 6 a.m my time and he's like Oh my god! I have no, I had no idea you were American, and I was like, Oh my god! I had no idea you were American. Like, yeah, I can assume from London, this publisher in London. He's like, Oh no, I used to live in New York. I moved here. So it was like two Americans who thought each other were, British, were British about a, a about a French a project in French. So it was it was really funny.
0: That is funny. Yeah, I was doing the my prep work for when I had my chat with you, and I'm like. They were there was a little bit of arguing, having like, no, he's pretty British. I go, no, I don't think he's British. I mean, I've, <laughs> I, you know, if he is, so I was going, okay, like, good thing I'm not a betting girl. I was like, twenty bucks says he's not.
1: <laughs> no, so I was I'm
0: anticipating not. the whole like, okay, who? How would this sound as soon as he says hello?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm what they call a passing. I'm, I'm a passing Brit.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, it's amazing how sometimes we get um, the accents when you live. In a Mm -hmm. place where there's an accent, or in my case, if I visit for more than 24 hours, it (laughs) gets stuck, which I always have to be careful, especially when I go to Savannah, Georgia, and I'm there for the weekend um, or when I visit family in Texas. And they're from Connecticut, and uh, they all have a bit of a southern twang now Mm that they've been living so long in Texas that I start and I'm going, nope, Viv, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) So I can imagine, um, you know, having to live in London and yeah. picking up some of those things. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. It gets in your ear.
0: Mm-hmm. It does. So again, without giving away any clues, what about the hardest accents for you to perform?
1: Oh man. The hardest accents for me to perform. I would say I don't like doing Liverpool, a Liver- uh, Scouse, Scouse accent for me, for some reason, it's like a, excuse me, really tough. Um, what else? You know, it's really accent work for me is I do so many and I do them so often. It's like, it's my main employable. It's what people (laughs) hire me for. Yeah. You know, I'll get, I'll get offers for a random book. It's like, oh, we need a Bulgarian accent. Why don't we ask John? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's really a matter of doing the homework Mm -hmm. and you just listen you go to all the accent sites, you listen to all the experts, you practice and practice and practice, and then you get it in your mouth and then, you know, you don't think of it so much. Accents aren't, they're difficult. Some of them are difficult, but for the most part, it's just how much work are you willing to do to to get it right, you know, authentic.
0: Yeah, I know that sometimes the accent work, there's specific words based off, like in, in Spanish language, there's some words that have like that double R and some people mm-hmm. just cannot roll the R's. <laughs> you know so that's when i'm like okay well that's a, that's a little bit different but at the same time from a listener's perspective a hint is enough yeah know? exactly that's yeah. it
1: that's another interesting thing is like when you're doing film work or whatever your the accents you're going for are so sp- specifically you want them to be so correct and, and when you're doing audiobook work you don't want the listener to have to work so hard to discern what you're saying it, they need to be able to hear clearly what you're saying on the first pass even if like with those um the French books you were talking about, you know, like, I can do a more authentic French accent, but the listener might not be able to pick up all the words, pick up everything they need to pick up on the first time through listening. So you have to kind of moderate yourself and modulate the accent to fit the genre and the the style of book you're doing to make sure that it's completely comprehensible and everyone's going everyone's gonna to enjoy the listening experience as much as... So, yeah, we, we do a lot of, like... Hints, hints of accents or or kind of accents or, you know, authentic accents, but like toned back. So it's not mm-hmm. so authentic that it's unintelligible.
0: Yeah. And also with some key words or names. I know that that's the first thing when people say Southern accent. I'm like, okay, but is it from like Atlanta, Georgia, Savannah, uh <laughs> texas they're all southern yeah. but they're different um or uh, h- pronunciations like louisville kentucky that <laughs> louisville is right. pronounced six different ways <laughs> and people yep. can tell where you're from depending on how you pronounce it so it's fun mm-hmm. yeah
1: and yeah. luckily like for audiobook stuff like i do obviously as a as an english or british narrator i do a, a lot of work where they're in the english countryside in a specific town and like every single town in England has a different accent. Like, mm-hmm. every little regional dialect is slightly different. People from two towns over are like, oh, you're from that town. So the idea of trying to make it so specific that that a person from that town would know you were from that town is just so much wasted energy because mm-hmm. the, the vast majority of the listeners just want to know you're someone from the English countryside. And yes. they want that to be clear and consistent. So, so sometimes I think us narrators can get overly indulgent in our accent work where we try to make it so right and correct and perfect that we kind of lose the gist of the character and the story mm-hmm. that we're trying to tell. That is true.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, as someone uh, like the Liverpool versus, you know, countryside of England versus another city insert name here, I'm going uh, it's British. <laughs> yeah.
1: And honestly, a lot of the authors, it's the same way I'm, I'm doing yeah. a book this morning where she's, the son of a highway robber or sorry she is the daughter of a highway robber um and you know like she doesn't have a specific dialect listed it's just said like being outside london so i'm just gonna do a generic estuary you know working Mm -hmm. class british accent and you know that's as really what you need from that Mm -hmm.
0: character yeah and again, it's for us. It's just like okay, British or okay French, from what we understand. So long as it's not like a Lucky Charms Irish.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I just That's... did
1: a two. I just did a two-hour book, all first-person Irish, um, and it was specific to out just outside of Dublin. Oh, so boy. I spent about a week. It's it's funny because this is what we do sometimes. I spent about a week practicing that accent for about an hour each day, making sure it was in my voice and. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I recorded that book in one, two-hour, three-hour morning session. So I spent more time working on getting that dialect right and perfect mm-hmm. than I did the actual recording of the book. But in that case, it was worth it because yeah. it was important.
0: Yeah, and then the listeners will worry about it, and then someone else will go to another will go to an author and say, you need to write an Irish book and cast <laughs> John Lane in it because <laughs> he did yeah, awesome sure. in this one. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's uh, a lot of the... Authors nowadays are kind of getting some of their casting recommendation based off of the listeners, what they've been listening to or who they discovered yeah. and things like that, which is great because, you know, we know what we like. Um, it is. Yeah. And that also means more work for you, which also means more books for us. So, gee, darn. <laughs> 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 it's a win-win, I say. It's a win-win. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I We're- yeah, It's an interesting, like, I do so much work under my other name. Mm-hmm. Um that I take a limit, a very limited amount of titles under as John Lane. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting me finding that balance because I have to turn down more often than not. so I'm it's kind of nice because I get to really pick and choose the romance series and the authors that I want to work with, which is really great for me.
0: Yeah, and I like I think it says a lot too, from a performance perspective and everything when the narratives are a bit choosier, it may not be a popular opinion. Um, but I'm, I'm a big advocate of making sure you guys have downtime and making sure that you guys are picking the right authors and and the genres that are good for you guys as far as enhancing your career and moving it forward and things like that, you know, yeah. versus yeah. just taking anything for the sake of anything, you know, exactly. <laughs> yep. being picky. is OK. It's OK, especially yeah. when romance is such a huge World. I mean, I always describe it as when people ask uh, romance being an umbrella term and all the subgenres kind of go underneath it where we get the paranormals and the dark romance and, you know, all the soft, the fate to black on, you know, Amish and all this other fun stuff. Is there a subgenre that you love to perform in more so? Um. Let me
1: think. I like doing. It depends. I like mm-hmm. doing historical stuff, mm-hmm. but I like it when the historical stuff is adventurous. If that makes sense, like there's pirates or there's mm-hmm. they go for a treasure quest, that kind of thing, where it like almost borders on like historical fiction or like mm-hmm. fantasy, but then they have really great romance in it. Mm-hmm. I love those. Um, I like doing sports ones are fun mm-hmm. uh because i play i played and play pretty competitive sports um yeah I, not specifically it's more le- less than like subgenres, which are you know that's part of it it's more the quality of the writing and honestly the relationship i have with the author and mm-hmm. the relationship i have with Generally, because generally I'm doing these with a co narrator mm-hmm. um, There are certain, you know, co narrators who anything they ask me to do, I'm like, well, heck yeah. If you're working <laughs> on it, I'll work with you any day. So, yes, I'll do that. Like almost like my friendship with them or my relationship with them is like a, a vouchsafe for the quality of the author's work. And, and I know that I'm going to have a fun time working with them. So I'll sign on for almost anything if it's with certain friends. Emma Wilder. Oh, of course. Yeah, Yeah. I love her. I thought thought you said Emma. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Emma Wilder. Yeah, I know. I love Emma. And I love Maxine. I work with Maxine Mitchell a ton. She's so wonderful. And I mean, I could list off like 30 women right now because they are all so amazing and so wonderful and kind and wonderful to work with.
0: Yeah, so I have a similar concept of, as far as like bookstreet, because I'm all for picking up a a brand to me, new, new to me author. But as soon as I hear a narrator that i truly love in the and respect like when emma Wilder says something i'm like oh yeah i don't care if it's underwater basket weaving if she's telling me it's good it's good i will read <laughs> yeah. that so exactly. yeah so it's yep. good to have those kind of bench, you know gauges there too you know mm-hmm. because it's kind of scary i mean we only have so much time in our lives and so many credits aside from libraries because i yeah. do love my libraries yep um to to pick up a new author sometimes because you're going oh
1: <laughs> it's true it's so true though because you don't know what you're going to get and you don't want to get halfway through a book and be like i don't really like this yeah so
0: or or, or there's a hard limit like a dubious consent i know sometimes uh mm. you know narrators are particular about that um or there's something in there they're going oh yeah no what's, what, what thanks for the trigger warning dude no yeah, um, i've had to
1: bail on a couple series after one book because of stuff like that where yeah it was sold, uh, sold a certain way and there was uh, mm-hmm. elements that I didn't really want to uh, associate myself with. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a lot. So I'm I'm all for having those individuals in our lives that's right or die. You know, like if you say it's definitely. good, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, <definitely. laughs> no question asked. And it's so
1: fun now because so many of these women are now producing their, uh-huh. you know, they have production houses. So yeah. When their production house comes, I'm always like, "Well, heck yeah, of course I'll do. Mm-hmm. Of course I'll do that with you."
0: So. Yeah, it's great. Well, that's good because I know sometimes too. Now uh, it used to be a bigger deal about the subgenres, you know, paranormal, historical stuff like that. But nowadays, it seems more like even tropes: friends to lovers, right, um, right. enemies to lovers, office romance, all that other fun stuff. Also, tends to be a big um, topic as far as people choosing the books that they listen to. Yeah. Um, do you find that that's also something that's When it comes down to having books be presented to you for you to see about, if you want to pick that they're also telling you about, did you have one that you prefer to do a favorite?
1: Not really. No, I like doing them all. I like doing them all mostly. Yeah. I don't really have a, (laughs) it's fun for me to see the different ways that people explore love and relationships and Mm -hmm. communication. So I like doing all the different kind of permutations.
0: That's good. Because there's a variety of John Lane books. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because just in case, you know, I'm like going, oh, I'm over the billionaire. I did not intern with the billionaire and I did my internship for fuck's sakes and he did not look like that. <laughs> I was going to say,
1: if there's one that I don't necessarily love that I intend an- to do a lot of because I kind of have a generic douchey rich white guy voice is like the like billionaire playboy. Like, oh, I'm so rich and like, it's all so meaningless, like that kind of thing. I'm
0: mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. Uh, but,
1: you know, if it's a good writer, they generally yeah. do, a, do a good job of like making that care. I find I find that character personally to be wildly unsympathetic,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: <laughs> it's. It's a good exercise for me as an actor mm-hmm. to find the truth and the, the honesty in p- portraying those characters. Even though maybe in real life, I'd be like, oh my God, just give like, give away all your money if you're so unsatisfied. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Or sometimes that when the author really does a good job is when the first couple chapters, he's like that, but only with certain people. And then you start finding out that he actually does do a lot of undercover charity work and all this other fun stuff that he's not the douchebag but everybody thinks that he is so yeah
1: yeah they generally do a great job of redeeming their characters Mm -hmm. which i really appreciate yeah because there's nothing worse than getting to the end of the book and being like "What? What? he didn't learn anything he's just the same (laughs) same douchey guy
0: (laughs) and he gets the girl dude no he
1: put put a padlock on her door and that somehow made him good like what (laughs)
0: Oh, yes, he's here for my safety. So he put a padlock on my exactly, toes. Exactly. It's like, dude. Yeah, there's, that's just also, again, unpopular opinion, why there's just some, some subgenres um, or tropes that I'm going, yeah, no, not for Vivi. Mm-mm, not for me. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. Mm-mm. So that I would be, say, yeah.
1: I guess I do have an answer to that subgenre question. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's any book that has a kick-ass female character who, who knows her own worth mm-hmm. or like comes to know her own worth and power and embraces that and says like I am worthy of this I am strong I I like I love those books I love the books with with the women who embrace their own power embrace their own beauty every embrace all of themselves and mm-hmm. know their own worth those ones are my favorite ones I'm always uh-huh. like hell yeah when I get to a point
0: Mhm Yeah but also at the same time it's kind of good because you guys usually especially nowadays in romance it's dual narration yeah. Do you read the whole book or do you just read the guy's part and someone tells you it's a really kick-ass heroine? Um, no, I, <laughs> I generally
1: read the whole book. Uh, at the very least, I do what I call like a skim read, which is mm-hmm. you read the whole book, but you don't you don't read it word for word, like every yeah. single sentence and every detail. You, you do it to get like the main plot points, the main character points, the main uh, mm-hmm. like arc of the story and what it means, like all of that stuff. But yeah, it's basically speed read. I basically will speed read. Mm-hmm.
0: Good, good, yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, it's one of those things I know sometimes. Because there is so many books to record in so little time that yeah. you know, that's also where I'm like, is it a kick-ass heroine? I'll ask someone. <laughs> 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 I'm like, cause she, she she meek and meek, I'm, I'm not doing it. You know, yep. I'm like, I don't care if I love John Lane or not. Uh-uh. <laughs> 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 it's like I love you, John, but no.
1: I had, I, I would see. say you're pretty safe with me because generally, even if she isn't, I'll I'll somehow make her. I'll. That's- I'll-
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and so, yeah, that's the thing though too that i've come to learn that when you guys are more picky about the books that you narrate there's something to it and i'm like well if he picked it, it must be good yeah yeah so that's also a little bit of a telltale there for some people so but that's great yeah it helps too um we're getting more into this whole like getting to know you guys because you guys are on social media and you guys are sharing things and you know when, like Emma, I think recently had done a, a tweet about a book, and, and also Lucy Rivers did one too, and you were part of it, and everybody's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, John, man, this Um, But one of, the th- <laughs> <laughs> but some of the parts about getting to know you guys is when you guys are in the booth, and one of the things that the li- listeners love are blooper reels. Do you keep any of your outtakes in your poopers? Absolutely not. No.
1: <laughs> um, I will. You know, I am so, after a decade of punching and rolling my mm-hmm. audio, I, I don't even think about, I just like, if anything, any sound, anything happens, I'm like, cut, cut, start rolling again. And I mean, that's, yeah, I, sometimes I'm like, ah, I wish I'd saved that and like emailed it to my, you know, friend or mm-hmm. whatever, like, or to my co-narrator and been like, hey, this is how I'm doing this character or whatever. <laughs> But um, you no, think?
0: <laughs>
1: I probably should. But like, I know Kelsey Navarro does a ton of those on her TikTok, and they're so fun. But I um just don't even think about it because when I get in the booth, I'm just like, I'm laser focused on mm-hmm. on work.
0: Yeah, I'm also seeing a trend, and that's not, not one that I shared before, but I'm gonna share it with you. It seems that male narrators don't do a lot of the whole blooper things unless they're in a role of bloopers and they know it's funny because uh, maybe they were doing something specifically yeah but women i think are more okay with having the bloopers and and then they they're like fucky fuck 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 <laughs> 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 you know but I've noticing a little bit of a trend because I, I talked to a lot of you guys and it's like the guys are like nope i'm I'm laser focused as you were saying or like I'm just so used to punch and roll that I just don't and I'm going hmm. But I like seeing how you fudge it up.
1: I know it's <laughs> it is funny, and I enjoy them. I also just don't. I don't post that much work stuff to social media. Like I yeah. don't really use my social media that way. Mm-hmm. Like my it's more about like for my family and friends. And then on Twitter, I I just will post like book releases. Yeah. So I I have such a exhaustive recording schedule.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I have I have um, new babies. And I'm just, my life is very, um, I I don't have a ton of time. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I'm working, I'm generally working, and when I'm, not working i'm generally being daddy so (laughs) there's not really anything else that happens in my life right now so like i don't really spend a lot of time on social media outside of like the obligatory like hey this book came out or that kind of thing Mm -hmm. or if someone tags me in something i'll be like yay that was fun but Mm -hmm. i don't i don't generate a lot of my own content these days
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i mean and and, and, outside of baby pictures yeah but also i think the system that you, that's the other thing too, that people don't know. And I like to bring it up is I think the system that you guys do a lot of your narration. And when it comes into the punch and roll, it takes more work to save that clip, migrate it, move it somewhere else for future use. Yeah. than it, then we think it does. Right. Yes. So I think that's part of the other reason too, because I've seen it. I've seen how that system works. And I'm going, yeah, no, I wouldn't do that either. Sometimes yeah, um, I would have I, my, you own. can
1: spend, you can, in the time that you could narrate an entire chapter sometimes, it will take for you to cut and paste and do everything with that audio clip for, for a laugh, you know? So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's okay. I think at the end of the day, we'd rather have the book. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's still a fun question to ask because I know it it sometimes. <laughs> and I, I will
1: say I very much enjoy the stuff that people who do that, I think mm-hmm. is hilarious. And I enjoy seeing their TikToks and their mm-hmm. their Instagrams. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, it's just a more work too. I mean, to I mean, I give props to individuals like Kelsey and Natalie, and yes. some of the other narrators out there, Rob, that are doing these TikToks and stuff like that. First of all, that they're doing with their face. I'm behind the mic girl. I'm behind the camera girl, um which is why I will never be TikTok famous, and I'm okay with that. um <laughs> But it's just also Likewise. putting, yeah, it's okay, you know, as far as putting yourself out there too. But it's just more work, and I'm like, do I spend the time? Doing graphic design work for a client, or talking to you guys for a podcast, or do mm-hmm. I put something else out there for shits and giggles that may not even get that many views?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so,
0: so yeah, I there's nothing like
1: having uh, having newborn twins to really get your uh, priorities in terms of your your time management.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> yeah, and, and twins are fun. Yeah, they and really are. As as a twin. Yeah, you're in for it. <laughs> Are they can I ask if they're identical or fraternal twins? They're not
1: one one boy, one girl.
0: Okay. So you have it a little bit easier than yeah. identical twins.
1: Yeah. And and they, they've yeah. just started walking. Oh gosh. So pray for us.
0: Oh goodness. That's my favorite too. I remember stories of my mom saying, Yeah, you know, because it was always fun when you would run in one direction and your sister would go the opposite direction, and I'm the only one in the room. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yep. Yep.
0: It's Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that that's why I don't even have TikTok.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at that point, it becomes a a, a you know, like a, almost like a rodeo show where you just put the camera up on on the ceiling and just film it all. Film it all. <laughs> <laughs> and life is a narrator with twins on today's yep. episode. Yeah. It's um, twins are fun. I'll like um when we're offline, I'll have to tell you some of those fun stories that you're up for but again fraternal twins are a little bit easier than identical twins for a lot of different reasons but they're still two at the same time so yep 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 fun times it's fun though at least you didn't have to weld your stroller together like my dad did wow because they didn't do things for twins back then that's
1: amazing (laughs) yeah yeah thank goodness
0: I know it's a lot of different stuff that's happened as we've gotten older I mean tapes CDs they're like what's some Walkman (laughs) I'm like shut up But getting back to TikToks and all of other fun social media stuff, I am glad that you are at least able to tag on you um, when it comes down to Twitter oh, because that way yeah. it makes it easier to to share and get people to find you when yeah, you have at least that's always a good thing.
1: That's why my Twitter's there.
0: Yep. <laughs> Is there an author or a narrator that you have not yet worked with that you're like, ooh, I wish like you have on your wish list? Oh man. Um,
1: that's a hard one.
0: Yeah, because you've done a really good list of. I mean, I think the most recent tweet that you did was a Laurie Foster review that um, Audiophile did. And I was like, oh yeah, I like Laurie. Some oh, of the yeah, first Lori's, audiobooks they did. Great. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, not, I haven't really thought about specifically for romance stuff, but I know like everyone raves about working with Lauren Blakely. Uh, I know that she's a big author that has like all of my friends have worked with. So that'd mm-hmm. be fun to work with her for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think um, you do great too with Emma Chase.
1: Oh yeah. If yeah. you haven't,
0: I don't think you have for her yet.
1: I think I've done one.
0: Did you? Oh, maybe I'm you did. Sure. Maybe it was a short and shorter book.
1: Yes. I think that's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it was a shorter book, but she keeps busting these out and I'm going, dude, she keeps getting better and better with each book. And there's a lot of other ones too. There are just so many good authors out there in there I there really are.
1: I, I'm always overwhelmed. There's just so many, so many books.
0: Yeah, so it's so a little time. <laughs> 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 so um, usually I have this question where right now I'm kind of going, hmm, this is going to be a fun one. When you're not working, what do you do for fun? But I'm probably thinking mm, kids. <laughs> <laughs> change change <Changing> diapers, diapers. <laughs>
1: uh, mash bananas. Uh, yeah. No, I... um, I... We'll see this again. This goes into like the game that we're going to play. So favorite I don't want to give anything okay. away.
0: <laughs> okay, fine. We'll wait for them then. Okay. So another question then. What is your favorite word? Which is different from the next part of the question about the curse word. What's your favorite curse word? So just in case. Oh, goodness. I know. My favorite word. Mm-hmm.
1: That's like asking me to choose my favorite child. Uh, I don't. I don't have one. I okay. don't have a favorite word. Probably okay. my wife's name
0: aww everybody has this melted (laughs) (laughs) so what about favorite curse word
1: um i'm not a big cursor but i have ones that i use all the time Mm -hmm. that i'm now aware of because i get john don't you can't use that word around the babies like they're starting to pick up language uh i don't know i don't really have a i don't have a favorite curse word i don't have one i use regularly
0: yeah because this entire podcast you have not said one and i'm going impressive
1: no the only time i really curse (laughs) is when i'm watching my favorite soccer team lose and Mm -hmm. then i'm like what the you know and that's Mm -hmm. about it yeah i'm not a big swearer i don't think okay
0: yeah especially now with the kids and you know it would become fiddlesticks and peppermint <laughs> exactly. candy and yeah it's like which is always fun when they turn around and they go brownies and i'm going mm, it's not the meaning but i get it i get it i get it, I get it <laughs> child i get it yeah that was frustrating as a parent trying not to do the cursing in front and then realizing like, they're gonna get it worth school <laughs> they
1: really are yeah. that's what i'm like i'm
0: like really they're i
1: don't, I don't know I, we'll see we'll see how it how it goes
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it goes well i mean i'll mine, do my best yeah i will tell you from experience from at least the experience of the one um does not curse around us or anything like that but i seen some of his texts and i'm going damn impressive wow <laughs> because he's using it in the right context and things like him. that yes but he also doesn't use it around us, which so i'm going what the fuck bro but you know uh, it's fine because <laughs> i'm the girl that you know, can make anything into sexual innuendo. And that curses like a sailor, unless I'm obviously in a surrounding situation with little kids or like at Disney. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. Other than that, you're like peppermint sticks is what you'll get from me. <sighs> mm-hmm. Well, talking, we talked about games for a little bit uh, earlier on and stuff like that, but we're actually now in that segment where you're going to tell us three things about yourself of which two are true and one's a lie. And us listeners and I are playing along with it and trying to figure out which one that lie is. So if you're ready.
1: Yeah. Okay. I went through this with my wife last night. Um, So let me see if I can remember. Okay. The (laughs) first one is that I am actually Canadian. The second one is that I am a professional opera singer in my spare time. And I'm currently in an opera right now, in at uh, one of the three largest opera companies in the U.S. And the s- third one is that I once s- scored four goals against Joe Arden in a competitive soccer match. <laughs> Those are the wow. three.
0: Wow. Okay. Interesting. And I say interesting because, it, uh, um, because, again, first of all, that you score over Joe Arden. He probably would never admit to that. Um, <laughs> four times. Yeah, four times, baby. Your pass. Anyways, um, <laughs> the opera singer and then that you were actually Canadian. Hmm. Um, I want to say Canadian is a lie.
1: Yeah, it had to be. That's like by far the boringest one. I couldn't think of a good lie.
0: No, but you know what? You never know. Like I have a bit of the insider traits a little bit because I do work with production companies and I do work with some of the casting with, uh, work as with authors. And I've I've seen and that there is this, someone has been like, oh yeah, and he's also an opera singer. And stuff like that. <laughs> so I'm like, who's so you that cheated. again? You no, cheated. no, no. No, the thing is that I've never gotten the name of that narrator.
1: Uh you well, know, there's a few of us actually out yes
0: there, there are yeah. there are a few of you guys so it could have been anybody um but also could have been a lie <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah so the the lie is that you're canadian okay that makes
1: sense. yeah i'm almost canadian i'm from seattle so we're like we're basically Older. canadian
0: yeah. <laughs> some people say that Some people are like hey no that's not happening yeah so opera singer too huh how long have you been yeah. doing that
1: since I was in high school.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, I went to both my undergraduate and graduate degrees and postgraduate degree were all in opera performance. So wow. I'm still I'm still an opera singer. I only do two or three operas a year, uh, generally with L.A. opera in the chorus or small roles. Wow. So, and then I sing also with the uh, L.A. master crowd sometimes and on... Uh, movie soundtracks and stuff like that
0: wow so you had the talking voice part down and the singing voice <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's busy it's hard it's that's that's why when i was when you were like what do you do for fun i was like i don't really
0: <laughs> <laughs> wait what's that i, free I do time? my other
1: <laughs> i do my other job for fun is basically i do although i will say the one thing i do for fun is i play soccer in a league on sunday nights and that's my one thing that's just me and my team and we just won our actually won our championship last weekend
0: so well congratulations on that no big deal yeah no no i think it's important that i think people tend to do that whole like self-care thing which i'm a huge proponent of it but we tend to then bring it into the focus for women but i think it's also important for you guys to have your own thing you know especially when they're you know the men are it really involved parents and part of the parenting and things like that and working hard for the family and things like that. It's okay to allow for a few hours to have something for yourself. You know? Absolutely. It's very important. So yeah. so I used to
1: play, I actually knew Joe from soccer before I knew he was a narrator and Hmm. before he knew I was a narrator. And so we had this, like he was a goalie and I was a forward and we had this like ongoing, like repartee and like, we were, Friendly enemies, kind of thing, where because our teams played against each other all the time.
0: Classic then, romance trope, right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> oh, if only. Don't, don't tease me. Um, and then, like, I remember running into him in I think the Audis one year, and be and he's like, "Hey, are you that guy that plays soccer in L.A.?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, and he's like, "I didn't know you." And I was like, "I didn't know you." And then we just like from there, you know, became even better friends, but. It was really funny because I'd like, I'd known him, both of us were these fairly prolific narrators who worked all the time. That was our full-time jobs, essentially. But like neither of us knew and we'd already been friends for like two years.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's definitely something that a lot of times the conversation, The, the I think it goes more like, oh yeah, I do some, I, I do some voiceover. Yeah. The details are not done, you know, as far as what it is and stuff like that. And, uh, and sometimes again, when it goes back to romance, sometimes the guys are like, I do a romance.
1: <laughs> nah me and me and yeah. joe are proud romantic
0: yeah oh yeah no he's definitely proud which is good it's good to have that um camaraderie um yes it of, is That's and great. uh and to have that support from all the you know from the listeners to the authors to the narrators about again Romance is a good thing. Romance genre is a good thing and not shaming it and all that fun stuff. So Absolutely. Yeah. But you kicked his ass. That's awesome. <laughs> well he, to be
1: to be fair, uh-huh. I think like a week or two later the Audi nominations came out and he had like six Audi nominations or whatever. So like I couldn't tease him for very long because <laughs>
0: But, I mean, but that's also totally different. Like, hey, I, you know, like, well, I got four oddies, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, I kicked your butt in soccer. So <laughs> but yeah. that's fine. It's good to have that, you know, type of friendship and things like that where you All guys right. can do that. Because He's
1: a great guy. I love him. He's just such a great guy.
0: Good, good. So before we go, why don't you tell us what you're currently working on, if you can, and what's coming up next sure. for you?
1: i don't think i have anything embargoed um <laughs> my last book i did was uh the latest book in the um men of haven series trusted and true uh for harper i'm just making sure so that's book seven i believe for renna morgan um and that was actually the series that I won my my audio award for, book three, I believe. So that's fun. And it's the first book in the series that's going to be dual narration. So that was also fun to have a female narrator come into the series that I've been working on for so many years and to get to talk about all the characters. And I can't wait to hear what she does with everything. So, um, so that's my latest that I'm working on. And then, like I said, I'm currently in an opera that's taking up a lot of my time. And I have my non-romance production schedule as well. Just trying to look at any other John Lane books I have coming out. I think that's the next one coming up is, let me see here. I've got a couple for One Night Stand Studios, which is one of my favorite companies to work for that are coming out, but that won't be till later in the summer.
0: Yeah. So, yeah cool well we look forward to it i know that um it's also difficult between when your guys are recording it versus when it's coming out when you know you know audible will actually give it out <laughs> so yeah. it's two thousand.
1: I, I was just looking back like what's my latest one that came out you know i'm doing this i've done now with maxine mitchell i'm i'm producing a couple of series for melanie Moreland, who's one of my favorite authors to work with she's so sweet um and right now we just finished Breaking the Speed Limit, which is the second book in the Reynolds Restoration series, which is kind of a spinoff from a couple other series that she's done. And yeah, so a bunch of uh, titles for her over the last few months has been my main John Lane stuff that I've been doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, we'll, uh, we'll include those lovely ones in the show's credits and things like that for people to find because awesome. they devour these things they're like oh I didn't know that one came out and then they guessed because we were focused on somebody else for a second there
1: <laughs> yeah, I was, that's why I, that's that's why I did the Canadian thing is because I thought like you know I'm like one I do one of the biggest romance authors in Canada like maybe they'll think I'm Canadian but plus I do a really good Canadian accent yeah
0: mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah I know but I was like I was hoping like I really do hope he shows <laughs> up <laughs> love the guy but uh yeah it's always like ooh, okay great (laughs) and again the opera singing um i think you mentioned the musician and stuff like that with your degree and i'm going yeah well yeah opera could work there you know but then again you could be in a band and do you know nirvana stuff who knows so how it works out (laughs) well thank you so much john for taking the time to hang out with me today it's been so much fun and a pleasure getting to know you
1: yeah it's been great
0: if you're not following him on Twitter, make sure that you do. And we'll include the link to that as well as his website so you can find catalogs so you can make sure that you get all your John Lane books in on this episode's post over at VBM Enchantress of Books. And until next time, happy listening. Thank you to all of our
1: audiobook-loving podcast Patreon. Special thanks to Nixley Zenner,
0: Carol Liebner, Line Black-Peterson, Brittany Robinette Leiter, Don Darch, Michelle Bastard Nancy Billows The Audiobook Loving Podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shout-outs, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobookloving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianarenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.